Hello, Earthlings. My name is Andrea Afuakwamia. Welcome to The Only Black Girl on Mars, a podcast where we shine a spotlight on strong Black women who are shaping the world through their diverse strengths, paired with their unique perspectives and experiences. Welcome back to The Only Black Girl on Mars. If this is your first time to Mars, welcome, welcome, welcome. Being an independently run podcast, your generous donations, one time or subscription really make a difference in order for me to continue growing. It accounts for the time that I spend prepping interviewees, conducting the interviews and getting these episodes edited and transcribed. Right now it's a one person show. I'm soon to have a new transcriber, which is very exciting. And that's all thanks to the patrons that I have now. My goal is to get up to 500 patrons, but I'm a very long way. And for those of you who might have heard my intro, you might be wondering, she just said she spotlights strong black women, and that I do. I have nine full episodes on all audio platforms to listen to my podcast and hear amazing stories. I'll soon have those videos uploaded as well. But I do have my podcast open to interview women of color, in all capacities. So don't be shy to click the link in my show page to subscribe to Patreon or donate to Coffee, which doesn't take out any fees. We really appreciate it. And I'm just so grateful for all the patrons that I have right now. I want you to know that I just got your gifts out in the mail and I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend, Diana Chow. She used to work at Twitter for over six years as a software engineer, but now is fulfilling her goal to work in the music industry as an LA-based music producer, multi-instrumentalist, and singer-songwriter. She has had a passion for music for a long time and now is working independently to support other artists in the media. So I'm very excited to have her. Please enjoy this interview with Diana Chow. But like meeting connection and community. And I think, what was the name of the group again? I always do this. <laughs> Live authentically. Live now, authentically now. <laughs> yes, we have yeah. to give Catherine a shout out for, yeah. for us connecting. And so for anyone listening, there was a group during the very beginning, I guess almost a year ago now, a life coach named Catherine started a group called Living Authentically Now. And for a lot of us were in LA, but I think it was open because she put it as a Zoom link where anyone who was like women who were feeling lonely during the pandemic or just weren't going outside. I know I hadn't gone outside for days. <laughs> this is the anniversary of the weekend where I mustered up the courage to go to Trader Joe's for the first time. <laughs> Been a whole year. <laughs> now I go to Trader Joe's once every month. Um, and we, we met and we, we just talked about our lives and what was going well that week and what was difficult that week. And that's where you and I met. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I was, I'm so glad and feel for, so fortunate that I connected with you and the rest of the ladies in that group mm. at that time, because I, I really felt like, I think for me, it's like, yeah, I had just moved to LA from San Francisco 
and pretty much like either while I was unpacking my boxes still, or maybe right after I finished doing that, I was just like, okay, I want to like find people yeah. in LA to like connect with. Cause I had a couple friends who lived here either like recently moved or had been living here for a while, but you know, definitely they didn't know too many people. And like, that was definitely one of my goals after yeah. like moving here. So it was really nice to find that group. And yeah, it was nice to have like, just a kind of like a regular call with some new people that, you know, that I've just met that, that were, I guess, valued similar things that I valued in terms of way of living and like connecting with each other yeah you know what's going on in our lives and stuff like that so yeah it was it was a nice way to meet more people and then like I think yeah was that I think that was right after the pandemic hit and like lockdown started happening so that was especially useful for me because I it was (laughs) you know I couldn't meet people in like in person (laughs) at that time and uh, yeah yeah it it really helped me I think just feel a little bit more like connected to people for during sure. power just like living alone in a new apartment in a new city like <laughs> yeah that's a lot yeah. to to grapple with because even like when I first moved to LA you know I had work and but LA is different than New York where like your work friends can become your real friends in LA everyone's like okay I'm going home now like and then, and then everyone goes their separate ways and and it takes a little longer to develop friendships so I found myself I think it was refreshing for me because I do have some friends that I developed from work but it took almost the full year for us to develop develop that connection and I felt like all of us having a similar need for connection that it was faster I mean I will this is a confession that I felt like a little bit like oh my god she's kind of cool and and I, I felt a little bit like you know like, I don't know, like, I always was very curious about getting to know you, especially when whenever we talked about, like, our family cultures and everything. So as much as it didn't seem like it, I was, like, a little nervous. I was like, oh, I want to, like, get to know Diana. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, that means so much to me. That's, that touches me. Thank you. I, I felt the same way about you. I think, like, oh, really? I feel like as soon as you started, like, saying things in the group and then, like, when we were talking to each other in the group and, and whatnot, like, I felt like, like I wanted to get to know you better too, or definitely felt like, you know, uh-huh. in terms of like life experiences and just like, I don't know, feelings that we were just going through yeah. in general. So yeah. Friend fangirling, I love it. <laughs> I mean, so I, I've, I've told the audience a little bit already about your background, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of tell your story about sort of how you ended up in LA. So, I mean, I think for a lot of people who, you know, who believe and love in corporate brands and, and the excitement of them, we'll be excited to hear that you used to work for Twitter. But, you know, it, it will be interesting to sort of hear about your perspective and how you how you originally got into software engineering before, before your new life venture that we'll t- discuss later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, definitely how I got into software engineering yeah I guess like I was fortunate enough to grow up around computers like in my household like growing up as a kid my parents were both like working in the technology field actually my dad started out as like a mechanical engineer but like he eventually went to like software too and then my mom used to like sell computers so uh, I was fortunate enough to have like 
one or two computers in the house like as I was growing up so I've always like kind of grown up around technology really enjoyed it and then like you know kind of set like enrolled in my like the first computer science course in high school and then like you know really connected with that and just kept going with that you know until I majored it majored it majored in it in university and then yeah I eventually moved to SF and like was working in tech for a long time yeah. And I've always loved technology and I feel like it's interesting that like currently I'm doing music, but it's also, it's like a mix of technology and music because I'm making the music on the computer and like, it's, it's very like technology based right. kind of music. It's like electronic, electronic music. So it's, it's been interesting to see that like overlap happen <laughs> over the right. years, but yeah. Yeah. We talked about how, how I am so like antiquated in the music world. So being a classical violinist, I asked for a keyboard thinking that I was like being so hip. And then I realized there was a MIDI keyboard and I didn't understand how it made sound. <laughs> and I, yeah, because you, you probably first <laughs> plug it in and you're just like, why isn't it doing it? Cat is like also wondering like, <laughs> why is it anything working? <laughs> oh my God. I, it was like, if, if I hadn't been alone, I would have been really embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> admitting it by like, but I mean, I think, I think that it, that is really interesting because for one thing, you know, I think that having computer science classes so young is something that not necessarily unique to California, but it, it, I think it's something that California does really well. I know when I, my family lived in California when we were very young, I was still in kindergarten going on to first grade and we even had had to take computer classes, which then in New York, it's not something that they did did readily, but I think because it's such um, like a tech hub. So that makes a lot of sense. And my family had like one computer where we like had to take turns among four, four children and my dad's work. But I think, I think that's awesome because uh, one thing that I know there's such a pressure and so I think growing up knowing that you love it and it being inherent kind of did it did you feel like a sense of satisfaction as you continue to develop your skills in it yeah yeah I remember like one of my earliest memories like with technology besides like playing video games on the computer and stuff was just like starting to make like a personal website for myself and like mm. putting more of myself online and, and doing that kind of stuff was really fun for me. Like I felt like, I guess that creative expression was really fun for me. And then to be able to just like program things into the computer and have it do what I wanted it to do. And, you know, have some control over like this little area of like online real estate was like so fun for me. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely like enjoyed it. And I guess as I moved along in that, in that software career, like you know, it kind of evolved a little bit. Like I wanted to get more involved with like social media related technologies as that was like getting bigger. And then I worked at a couple startups before Twitter that eventually led me to like more social media based like work. Cause before that it was like, I worked at like a GPS fitness company and like, okay. and like kind of like a social media for business kind of company. So it was like, it was like gradually moved me in a direction where I like fortunately landed at Twitter and that was that was like really fun to be yeah. at and to work at and the people there are great yeah. yeah well I so I love this narrative so I love this narrative of you having 
a job that you do find fulfilling, but also having the realization that there's something else that you're very passionate about. And you, you know, you mentioned briefly before that you have made the transition into music and you're now an independent music producer. So I, I want to ask about that. So knowing that you did enjoy your career and that you had a, a great work experience at your last few companies, what was the plan? What, what was sort of the catalyst in you thinking like, it's time, I feel ready to sort of make this move? Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, I definitely wouldn't say, I don't know if there, there was like a, you know, like one day all of a sudden I was like, I want to be like music producer. It was kind of, that was like a gradual transition too, because when I worked at Twitter, I, I happened to join like an interest-based group there that mm. did like that practice acapella, like after work. And yeah, I was doing that. And I've always loved singing and I've loved music all my life, but it was always kind of like in the background and just kind of like passively, like, you know, kind of evolved. And I don't know, I, I honestly attribute a lot of it to like the roots of it being part of that acapella group. And I eventually went on to direct that acapella group. And I feel like that made me even more proactive in like the music world a little bit, at least in my like creative music world and I just I felt like it was really I don't know empowering and and allowed me to express myself creatively too and it was just a lot of fun so I think while I was doing that and then I was also doing starting to do more music production at home as well like yeah after work and stuff like that and just the more I did that stuff the more I felt like my passion for that stuff just continued to grow and then like at the same time with the organization that I was a part of at Twitter, like the team, like organization structure, I guess was starting to change. And I felt like timing wise, it was kind of a good time for me to just see like, oh, let me take like six months to a year and just kind of focus on the music stuff for a bit and see how I feel about it. Cause I, I had taken a couple of music production courses just before that and like really just to like kind of involve myself a little bit more in that world and then also meet other people who were kind of doing it full time or, you know, dedicating their lives to it. And, and that was really like eye opening for me, I guess, just to meet those people and to be around that sort of energy. And then I just decided to, yeah, it it took a long time, probably took a year or two of me just kind of like contemplating it and just being like, feeling it out (laughs) and like, you know, and then figuring out what was happening with like the organization that I was part of in Twitter within Twitter. And then deciding to finally do it yeah right how long ago was it when you first joined the acapella group yeah I so I joined the acapella group I believe like the, the year I joined Twitter so that that was 2012 and then oh, wow. and then I see yeah, I stuck with that group and eventually like directed a couple years later I think and then so that group yeah and then I was at Twitter for like six and a half years so Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah we were we were doing that for a while. <laughs> One of the things I found interesting because of course, I can't have you as a guest unless I stalk you a little bit and do my research was your your most recent interview where you talked about where you talked about the song structure as you're directing an acapella group. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and and sort of why that played such a deep role in you knowing that the next step is production and sort of how that correlates? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say, so while I was, yeah, directing acapella, that group at Twitter, like I started arranging 
some songs for us to do. Like normally we would find arrangements online and things like that to learn. And then I, I eventually like took a stab at just like, you know, writing like some simple arrangements myself for the group. And I feel like that just helped me break down and understand how different parts in a song could be laid out. Cause I feel like acapella is basically kind of like really bare bones. Yeah. You, you know, music, you have all the parts, but they're all vocal parts. And so I think that's really interesting. And, and, and you sometimes have like either the bass is doing rhythm or sometimes like a beatboxer is doing rhythm, but it's just very like pared down. And I think that's, yeah, that's my first exposure, just trying to like note out songs, I guess, in those different parts. And then I was at the same time just like learning Ableton Live, which is like the software for one, you know, one of many software that you can use to, to do music production. And then I felt like the knowledge and experience I was gaining with the acapella group and then just kind of mixing it in a little bit gradually with learning Ableton Live and stuff. I guess, you know, just introduced me to music production and like exploring more of, of how I can make music that way. Yeah, I love this. I It's making me realize how much of an impatient person I am because you're like 2012 and I was like, I got Ableton a year ago. How come I don't know how to use it? <laughs> like, two things, Andrea. How many times did you open it? How many times did you try it? <laughs> no, I totally understand that. I totally understand. Because I think I actually, I guess I, I forgot that I dabbled in like GarageBand mm-hmm. like years before, before like the acapella stuff. Like, right. I remember my friend, like Larry introduced me to GarageBand like way, way back in the day. And then like, we even like made a small song together. But I think at that point it was like fun, but I still didn't understand like really how to produce music in it. You know, just kind of like throwing stuff together. But like, right. I don't know. I just sort of like it, it, I don't know that that passion wasn't like ignited, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> largely <laughs> enough back then. But then I don't know, I, I guess after doing more music and maybe doing more of the acapella stuff, like. Yeah, things start to cement differently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think one thing that I've I found I find interesting about those of us that you know, like so when when I think about LinkedIn and we have this forward-facing image and how people sort of expect us to be because we're selling something that we can do, right? So, for example, you know, my LinkedIn image is like strategy this strategy that yours is you know software engineering and so I was just curious sort of how you started navigating the language as you you know were letting people know that you know I do this now or I'm I'm transitioning into this career did you find it was it nerve-wracking or did you find it organic as you went along it's definitely a little I don't yeah I it was definitely, I don't know if nerve wracking, it's like maybe a little bit of nerve wracking. I was definitely like thinking about it quite a bit, especially in the first year or so of like making the transition and like, yeah, just unsure how to approach it honestly back then. And because I was, I felt like I hadn't done enough music production mm-hmm. to like really put that in my, you know, in anything that was like bio related, you know, and, and also like kind of worried like of how that would make me look on the software front like if I wanted to like do more tech work later or something like would that just make me look like I you know Mm. I don't know like completely ditch software like don't have passion for technology anymore or something like that but 
I don't know. I actually like, I, I kind of sought saw some advice from different people who had, or I guess different communities who have been more involved in career transitions. And yeah, like, I think they sort of gave me a different, like a shifted perspective on it that helped me. And it's something that I still like, I'm trying to figure out. Cause I feel like as time goes on, I do more music. I gain more confidence in it, but like definitely in the beginning, it was very just like, I'm not sure how to present myself in terms of like these two worlds. Yeah. Well, I, I personally think you're doing a great job because I think, you know, you've been getting attention from people like with, you know, you, you picked up the bass, you know, you're sharing your work. So I definitely, uh, I think it's one of these things where to us, as we are navigating our careers, everything feels so timely, but to the viewer, they're consuming so many other things that maybe like the shift is gradually happening versus like changing who you are in one day and people being like, oh, <laughs> like <laughs> what happened, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I also love it because, and now I'm just generalizing, but I have a lot of like, friends in CS at Spotify and one of the things that I found so exciting and we also all became friends through we were all in a running club so and I just like to insert myself in you know like computer science groups because I find it so interesting but I can't do it so <laughs> but oh, that's like, interesting it's cool <laughs> that you connect with those kind of groups though just kind of out of interest <laughs> I try I've tried learning Python so many times and it's not that I can't I, I can't remember formulas really well it's it's something that I've always struggled with in maths and chem even though like I love them so I I think it's definitely something I could practice but it's again like able to like have I sat down to set the time aside maybe in the future but a lot of these people I find it so interesting because like they have so many talents that I just wouldn't know about because people just see them as engineers and like like mm -hmm. from painting to hiking and ju just like such unique incredible skills and I think I have no I haven't done the research or like research to prove this but I just think that tells a lot about the type of mind that is able to do coding and understand engineering that it's so diverse and I think that it's it's well it speaks well to the ability to say like this is also my identity and I'm gonna honor this right now and and so I love that but <laughs> but speaking of speaking of this like what are some of the key projects that you have been able to work on that have helped you build your confidence and and have been sort of getting you a little bit of attention in the LA music scene? Yeah, I guess like last year, so during the pandemic, one of my larger projects was with an artist who goes by the name Androgynous. And she was based in SF, but we worked remotely together because of the pandemic and then and yeah, I helped her produce her first single. And that was like really, it was a really fun experience. And it was a great like learning opportunity for me to just work with an artist kind of like from the ground up on, on a song yeah. together. Because before that I had mostly just been either producing my own material or producing. I also like produced music for a podcast. Nice. <laughs> like before that, but like, that was kind of like, I'm just like, you know, in my room producing music, but like, this is my first, I guess, experience working with another artist and like working on their material and then producing it for them. 
So that was really fun. And then more recently, like this year, I'm working with an LA based artist um, named Shayla, the artist, and she's, I'm collaborating with her on her music for like a short film music video that's going to be released in April. So like pretty soon. Oh, that's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited for that. I like really, really respect her as an artist and um, a fan of her music. So how long yeah. does that, that process take like to, to hearing from a client or, or reaching out to, for example, like a short film, do you come up with all the music? Is it very collaborative or, or how is the process work? Yeah, so this is my first experience doing any work related to film. And in this case, she has she has her songs written already and like she's like she already has the album released. She wanted it to be like remixed for the film. So So yeah, I think like it probably would be different if she like didn't have that material already and yeah, yeah, yeah. taking a lot longer. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been fun. Like I I think it's it's mostly been like so it's been a lot of like mixing of the existing material that she has and then uh, there's a couple songs where I, I do more production on it so I'm kind of like changing the genre a little bit or sprucing it up a bit more than just mixing but yeah. that's that's so exciting I'm getting really <laughs> I feel like this is mostly it's her film but I'm just helping with the music but yeah I know <laughs> I'm excited too I'm your, excited <laughs> your film by proxy <laughs> <laughs> why am I such a dork I don't know like, I, was, uh, I was talking to someone about this like my my family and some friends see me as having a little bit of a flat affect and I know it doesn't seem like it because I'm like always quite smiley but like <laughs> but it, it takes a lot for things to like get me really excited but I was telling that I was like but I don't know why anytime so like you can see these guys behind me like I'm, I'm really into reptiles and so like anytime someone mentions a dinosaur I get like excited like a small kid and it's very odd I'm like what I'm like and so I was like telling my aunt I was like the trouble is I don't know what things are gonna excite me so it's just always like it's I love that <laughs> could be anything oh my god a rock <laughs> I feel like that makes like the impact of it like even greater I don't know when it just comes as a surprise for I guess both people like you and like whoever you're with at the time so. <laughs> yeah, she really likes these things so the, the funniest thing that happened is it's when I was a kid and I used to like used to make these birthday lists and I like things that I want for my birthday to give to my parents and I wanted to be fair. So I'd always put some like low ticket items on there. And I'd, so there would always be socks on my list. I thought I was being really like strategic. And so my family just thought that I had like a crazy sock obsession. <laughs> I can't describe to you how many holidays and birthdays I've received unique socks because I always <laughs> so just thought I was really excited about socks for, yeah like my whole childhood like and I kept trying to explain to them like no I, you know, oh like, so you did tell them eventually that it was just eventually but yeah. they just were like you know how much you love socks <laughs> you know so 
<laughs> yeah, that's, it's funny how it's funny how people can take like a small signal like that and just translate it to like she must love you know she must be so passionate about them. We gotta make sure she has every unique type of sock that she would possibly want. Like <laughs> this is why my excitement scares me because I'm like I'm not someone that's ever obsessed with anything. I just sometimes get excited, and so <laughs> I don't want someone to fill my house with with the. Uh, toy dinosaurs one or two is enough <laughs> you must have a really interesting sock collection I'm kind of curious now like <laughs> I actually recently before I moved to LA I I like got rid of a lot of stuff so I finally have <laughs> down to just like well, I used to I used to have a lot of rainbow toe socks like any like uh, I have gotten some cool socks t- socks with like the like Monet, you know, like different oh, art, cool. art socks. So well, yeah, some yeah. sometimes it has been a win, but I'm also just like, you know, I like other stuff too. I like <laughs> I do like tech stuff or like modern things as well. Yeah. Um, I think the the funniest gift that I received, which was like not to call my dad out, but he definitely forgot our 14th birthday that year. Oh, because no. he he came home with the bag which was like a Walmart bag and it had three different items in it. One was socks, of course. The other was a stuffed animal of Baloo because I used to love Jungle Book. And then the third one was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I love, but he bought the third book. So I didn't even have the first book. I was like, wow, this was like really like a stress run. Oh shit, I can't believe I forgot that the twins were born today run. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, nev- I'll never forget that birthday. <laughs> At least he, t- he, he tried to touch on like different areas of your, of your presumed interests and likes. But <laughs> just, An age? I don't know. Time, I <laughs> I'm like, I think. I think she's eight. I'm not sure. But <laughs> we'll just get a ring. <laughs> That's like it's like it sounds like it's like a birthday you're gonna remember for for forever. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like what actual cool stuff did I get that I don't remember? Oh my gosh. Well, what an aside. <laughs> I mean what I mean what we I think our families are are interesting from what we taught. How many siblings do you have again? I have one older brother. Okay, so you're the baby too. What was that like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. I don't. I, I guess it's. I guess it's what you would expect. I do feel like. I feel like my brother had, like, had it harder as the first child and mm. and being like the first son. I feel like there's. I think there's like in Chinese culture. Like I don't know how much it's actually overlapped with my family, but in Chinese culture, I think like, the first son is like you know, big deal, like massive importance has to be, you know, like, I don't know, held to like a certain standard, but I don't know. I don't know if that's like, yeah, I don't know how much of that was in my family, but. Yeah. It's like that in West African culture, for sure. Like it's kind of like the prodigal son, my, my brother, he was always up to something and like always got away with it. But, but my older sister, she's, she's the oldest and she was actually they were thought they were having a boy as their oldest and she just like she doesn't take no for an answer so she she is kind of like 
the prodigal child regardless she's like I don't care what gender I am I'm she's like I'm still an only child I still run the household (laughs) it's kind of kind of funny (laughs) but I mean I think I love that we're we're dual culture kids and I think it, it makes these stories you know everything we talked about with your your progression of your career and what you want to do it makes it so much more fulfilling in a selfish way for me to hear just knowing that like we were navigating two worlds like the world that we grew up in like in American culture and then like in our households do you do you feel like your like your culture or your family upbringing has any influence on on your relationship with music as a whole or or like how you approach it Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think like growing up for me, so I was like, I guess technically like what you call like a latchkey kid where like I, I, after school, I kind of went home to an empty home Mm -hmm. and like walk myself home and like um, spent a lot of time alone as a kid. And for me, like music was like a way to entertain myself and to like, to, I guess, expressed feelings through listening to music that I you know like resonated with at the time and uh, and and I guess technically like because I was like learning piano at the time and taught myself guitar so a little bit of like expressing myself creatively in those means too however like I wasn't really writing my own music at that time I was mostly just like playing material that was given to me or like you know looking up tabs and stuff like that but yeah I don't know spending a lot of time like alone as a kid and I I feel like I don't know if it's a how much of it is a cultural thing or just like you know a family thing but I feel like it was rare for my family to discuss feelings like how people are feeling it was you know it was a lot of like accomplishments based like chat that I can remember or like yeah so I feel like music was an outlet of like where the feelings are felt (laughs) more or like a safe place to like express them whether you're listening to it or like actually expressing yourself yeah Yeah. I that makes so much sense I I think I think I was I don't know if he'll agree with this but I was 16 when like my dad gave me like a first full hug and was like I love you and and it's not that he didn't say it in other ways but it definitely was a similar sort of experience or and I was quite shocked but and, and I think my, my parents are no longer together, but violin was such an outlet for me. I think it was like, it was like drowning out my sound. It was the way that I could feel angry because I'm not very much like, I don't really know how to express frustration like as, as like a normal human. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I know that it like, it allowed me to pour that into like the notes and, and the like the way that things swayed. And, and now I think it's interesting because as, as a fellow musician, I don't have that same relationship with music anymore. I don't need it that way. So now I'm trying to figure out what, how do I treat music as sort of like a now mostly even killed, killed adult, like when, like what, what inspires you. And so I think that, I think it's like, seeing musicians who are still able to connect with 
their emotions and, and also use it to like help. Because honestly, and tell me if I'm wrong, the way I think of it as a producer, you're helping people connect with the emotions that they're trying to express. Like you help them do that by taking pieces of what they give you and what you intuit and developing something new. Yeah, yeah. I say that's exactly right. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that's, it's such a unique skill because it's, you know, we talk about emotional in, in, intelligence and EQ from a verbal perspective. But I think that being able to, you know, I, I am a, a religious person and I, I, I say this to people a lot. They don't always understand what I mean, but I think everyone, regardless of if, if you, whatever religion you believe in, or if none, it doesn't matter. I think everyone has a, a different, unique form of prayer. And for some people that's through notes, that's through music or, or, or whatever sound rhythm. So I think it's a very important, important job. Not, you're not oh, the same, you. yeah. the same type of producer as DJ Khaled, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about DJ Khaled to, to <laughs> I, you know, he probably does some of that too, like with the yeah, artists that he works with, like yeah, he collaborates with people. With yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just always, I always find it funny because when I like, when I explain to people, like I, I explained to my aunt who DJ Khaled was the other day, and I was like, yeah, anytime you hear someone say, we the best, that's DJ Khaled. <laughs> Not to rag on him, just teasing DJ. <laughs> but I mean, so this kind of ties in, in a way to something that you and I talked about when, when we connected the other week about mental wellness and, and sort of, you know, what what that means for us. And in, in earlier at the top of our, our conversation, you know, you mentioned moving to LA was a stressful, lonely time. So, I mean, only insofar as you're comfortable, can you tell us a little bit about what challenges that you did have to go through during this transition as you, you know, as much as taking a year off is a little bit of a break, it's also, a processing period so yeah yeah definitely yeah it's interesting because like that year I guess 2019 was that year that year break where I focused on music that first year that I focused on music and like I feel like a lot of that year was like such a high for me because it was like I was really digging into music production and like starting to meet other people who were doing music and this was back in San Francisco and felt like I was connecting with people in like more meaningful ways I guess and and but then however I guess towards the end of the year like things started happening where it was just like I guess I was like navigating that career transition still and then like the long-term relationship I was in ended like towards the end of that year and then there were just things in my family that were like changing in ways that I wasn't expecting and like didn't know how to like process really. So it was just a lot for me to, I guess, cause you know, a lot of these large parts of my identity were just like changing or like just in states that I wasn't used to. And it was hard for me to like figure out where, how I felt about these things, how to 
process them and like how to go move forward from all of that stuff. And that's when I like sought like individual therapy and like I was living with my partner at the time. So I was like also trying to navigate like where to live. Like, should I stay in San Francisco? Like, you know, move to a different city. If so, like which one, like, and yeah, so that seeing that therapist helped a lot just to process all of that stuff that was going on towards the end of that year. And it was my first time seeking out individual therapy. Like I'd done like couples therapy in the past and pretty recently to that period as well. So I was like relatively new to therapy, I think in general, but like that was my first time doing individual therapy. And yeah, I just like, definitely I came out of it being like, why didn't I go to therapy like sooner? I feel like I could have really used this a lot sooner in my life. So I definitely highly recommend it to like anybody, just anybody, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Were there, was there anything in the past that kept you from going to therapy or did you just not feel that there was a need for it prior to those challenges? It was probably like at least low level, like the stigma of it. It's just like feeling like, oh, I probably don't need it. Or like, I don't think I need it. Like there's nothing like drastically happening that I need therapy. And also like, I, I believe like the stigma was a part of it. It's just like, oh, you know, like, yeah, like I, I don't need therapy just cause you know, right. like, I don't know. <laughs> so I think, I think the, I guess the shift in how therapies has been portrayed like over the past handful of years has definitely helped shifted like my mindset about it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah for sure I think that it is such a scary thing and I I know some people don't always get lucky to have like positive first experiences so but I think it, it you got lucky, which is great. I think that's fantastic that you met someone that you connected with. And so for anyone listening, like if that isn't your first experience, like do know that there are so many therapists out there in the world that are are willing to help you that might connect with your personality better, who might actually specialize in the things that you need. And that I know it sounds exhausting, like while you're dealing with depression or a life trauma to want to have to seek but the end result in my opinion and Diana as Diana mentioned like it it really does make a difference for just how you can reflect on things and and get over really difficult experiences yeah and you said that you had used better health is it better help? I can't say it. Yeah, better help. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, am I saying better health or better help? <laughs> and first reinforcing it, guys. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> better help. Um, you said you used that for a time when you were in LA. Can you tell um, us a little bit about what that experience is like and what people can expect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started using better help like a few months into the pandemic, I think it was largely like dealing with the social social isolation and uh, yeah, just general craziness of that time. And that was my first time seeking it out, any sort of like online related therapy because the, the therapist I, I saw in SF was like an in-person, kind of like the, your traditional like method. And then obviously with the pandemic and everything, I was like looking for something that could work like remotely. 
and yeah, it was, it helped a lot. I think they let you do like, you can chat with the therapist, like via text or mm-hmm. like their messaging platform or whatever. But then you also get like a video call. I feel, I think, I believe it's like once a week and it's like, they also support like low income, like plans and stuff like that. So that like helped a lot too. So yeah, I highly, highly recommend them. I also, I guess I got like lucky with the therapist I was connected with through them as well. But yeah. Yeah. I think like for me, I I always see the better help ads on, on Instagram. I don't know if they know that I'm just like a depressive person or if they're just like bought ad space everywhere. (laughs) But I, I think so for people listening, like this is not sponsored. So I really was curious for people listening, like, is this something that they should try? And it just, every time I talk to someone, they have good things to say about it. So that's really encouraging. So if you can't afford therapy or if you are you know you don't have insurance right now it's worth um taking a look at that but honestly you're I I know this is just the tip of the iceberg for all the things that I feel like are are coming your way in the next year to come so I guess thank you (laughs) I'm really excited (laughs) and and just to close like I I wanted to ask you, you know, end with two questions. And the first one is sort of like, what is something that you look forward to for yourself, you know, in the next few years? It could be music related or just personal in terms of your growth and your and your goals. And then the second question is for individuals who really aren't sure where to take that first step you know, what's one small piece of advice that you would give them that you learned throughout your journey? Yeah, those are good questions. I guess to answer the first one, I think like, so like more recently, I've been getting into like a bit more of like live performance and just performing like my my original material that includes like, whether it's like like electronically produced but then it has like my vocals on it and I've been more just like gradually becoming more comfortable kind of exposing that stuff to other people because I think for the past couple years it's mostly been like stuff that I've produced on the computers like instrumentals or maybe I use like vocal samples from from other libraries and stuff like that and I've I've worked on my vocal production stuff but just pretty much it's all stayed on my computer and like in this room for the most part and so I'm, I'm gradually becoming more comfortable sharing that stuff and also like live performing it, which has been really gratifying and like exciting and fun for me. So mm-hmm. I hope to do more of that like this year. And like my plan is definitely to like release some of that material like more broadly on like, I guess where people find music, you know, Spotify. Spotify for artists. Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm excited to do more of that. And while I continue to like work with like artists to help them express themselves. Cause I, I really enjoy like both parts of it. Mm. And then I guess to answer your, the second part of your question, like with like, I guess, what was it like small steps? Yeah, for anyone who is make. deciding to, to make a life transition or, you know, even if it's just a title change, you know, what 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 is some advice that you would give them? Yeah, I would say like, 
I don't know. I, I think it's like, it can be mind boggling and, and easy to get intimidated by the idea of like making a huge change all at once. But I guess my advice would just be to take, to make small changes in your life. Like even if it's like one small change a day, like whether it's like, oh, I'm going to decide to like meditate for like five minutes every day or something, or I'm going to try to take a bath instead of a shower like today, or, you know, start like rekindle an old hobby or like try a completely different hobby that you would never normally try. I think just those small steps like gradually lead to like larger changes so mm -hmm. I would just focus on making like small changes yeah reframing yeah. How, how you see yourself first I like that so mm -hmm. yeah well I want to thank you so much for your time your insights and for sharing your story I probably could talk to you for much longer but you know <laughs> for the sake of the of the timeline this is where we're we're capping it but i honestly would love to you know you're always welcome back to this show and we're gonna continue to to watch your journey and and yeah this has been so wonderful yeah thank you i really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for having me on on this it's like been an honor to to be here Sure. talk with you about these things <laughs> it won't be the last i promise my dinosaurs <laughs> promise too <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs>